In the 1700s, during the Methodist revival of the Church of England, Charles Wesley was an evangelist and a hymn writer, and he was responsible for writing more than 6,000 lyrics, many of which are still sung by the church today. Among his most well-known hymns are Christ the Lord is Risen Today, Soldiers of Christ Arise, uh, and a Christmas favorite that we sang earlier, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. In 1744, Charles was reading and meditating upon the Old Testament, and he came across a passage in the book of Haggai, and he read these words in chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. It read, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and the desire of all the nations will come. And I'll fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. It was the phrase, the desire of all the nations shall come. That was the spark. That phrase sparked his imagination. And he sat down and wrote the words to a hymn, two stanzas that he titled, Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus. We sang it earlier. Uh, He published it that same year in his hymnal called Hymns for the Nativity of Our Lord with the intent for people to sing it during this time of the year in order to help them to remember the first coming of Jesus into the world and then also to remind them to prepare for the second coming of Jesus into the world. I love the the lyrics of the hymn. They're profoundly theological, and they're so rich in their meaning. Uh, And so for this this two-week series that I'm going to be preaching leading up to Christmas, I want us to think about the message of this hymn, this special hymn. We're going to look at the, the first stanza today, and then we're going to look at the second stanza next week. And it's a message about biblical hope, and it's a message that I think we all need to hear right now. And so listen again as I read the words of the first stanza to this special Christmas hymn. They go like this. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing Heart. The title in the first line of the hymn is a prayer request. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. Now, this was a prayer request for the prophets at the close of the Old Testament as they longed for and desired and waited expectantly for the coming of the Messiah. In Luke's telling of the gospel story, He indicates that Jesus was presented at the temple shortly after his birth. And there, Joseph and Mary met two wonderful, very interesting people, Simeon and Anna. 
Luke tells us that Simeon was a righteous and devout man who was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die before he first saw the Lord's Christ. And so Simeon was waiting expectantly for his coming. And then we also meet the prophetess Anna, who was a very old woman who never left the temple. She stayed there worshiping night and day, fasting and praying. And after seeing Jesus, she talked about the child to everyone else who was there at the temple waiting expectantly for the coming of Jesus to rescue Jerusalem. So it was the prayer request of God's people at the close of the Old Testament, prior to the coming of Jesus, come thou long-expected Jesus. And then this was also the prayer request for the apostles at the close of the New Testament. Jesus died on the cross, he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven to the right hand of the Father, and in Revelation 22, Jesus says three times, in verse 7, in verse 12, and in verse 20, behold, I'm coming soon. This time, not as a baby to be born in a manger, but as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so in response... John offers this final prayer of the New Testament in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 20 when he says, come, Lord Jesus. So it was also the prayer request of God's people at the close of the New Testament prior to the second coming or the return of Jesus. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. And so we can connect the prayer request of the prophets at the end of the Old Testament with the prayer request of the apostles at the end of the New Testament, and we see that this prayer request is at the very heart of God's people. It's the primary request of God's people throughout Scripture for the long-expected Christ, the long-expected Jesus, the long-expected Messiah to come. Come, set us free. Come, from our sins and fears, release us. Come, let us find our rest in thee. And then with the last four lines of that first stanza, Wesley gives these four amazing titles to Jesus. He says that Jesus is Israel's strength and consolation. Jesus is the hope of all the earth. Jesus is the dear desire of every nation. And Jesus is the joy of every longing heart. I love those titles, four great descriptive titles of who Jesus is. And the one I want to focus the rest of my thoughts on today is the second one. Hope of all the earth, thou art. I love that line, not only because of the beautiful way it was written, but because of the way it describes who Jesus is. Hope of all the earth, thou art. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is the hope of all the earth? This hymn teaches us to pray, come, thou long-expected Jesus. And we pray for him to come because he is the hope 
of all the earth. I want to talk about hope this morning. Because no matter where you are in your journey, no matter what's going on in your life, we all need hope. So if you haven't already, turn in your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 4. This is my text this morning. That's a wonderful text about hope. Gregory read it for us. Not Gregory. uh, Barry read it for us earlier. And here's my outline uh, for my message to us this morning based upon this text about hope. Three points. First, there's always an abundance of hope. That's verse 17. There's always an abundance of hope. Secondly, we see this most clearly when there is an absence of hope. That's verses 18 and 19. And then third, in Christ, there is an assurance of hope. So there's always an abundance of hope. We see this most clearly when there is an absence of hope. And in Christ, there is an assurance of hope. I want to begin with this. There's always an abundance of hope. Listen to how Paul describes God at the end of verse 17 here in Romans chapter 4. There may not be a more hope-inspiring description of who God is in all the Bible. Listen to this. It's so good. This You're going to want to underline this. You're going to want to circle it. You want to mark it up because you're going to want to come back here to this one. I want to read it in a couple different versions. Here's what Paul writes about God here at the Romans chapter 4, verse 17. He says, God is the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. That's the NIV 84. In the NLT, God is the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Then in the ESV, God is the God who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. So did you hear that? Did you hear that description that Paul gives us there in Romans chapter 4 of who God is? So no matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your life right now, you need to hear this truth about our God. God is a God who gives life to the dead and who creates new things out of nothing. You see, with God, there is always an abundance of hope. When every road has led to a dead end, when you're at the end of your rope, when you have tried and failed for the final time, God gives life to the dead. 
when you look around and you see no more options available, when you no longer feel anything for a loved one, when your tank is on empty and you have nothing left to give, God creates new things out of nothing. That's who God is. This description of who he is should inspire hope. It's one that we all need to sit with for a while. And here's the thing. Time and time again, all throughout Scripture, God reveals himself to us in this way. He reveals himself to us as the God who gives life to the dead and who creates new things out of nothing. There is always an abundance of hope with God. In Genesis chapter 18, God said to Abraham, I will create my people through you and your wife, Sarah. Now, Abraham and Sarah were already old. They were well advanced in years. Sarah was way past the age of childbearing. So there in Genesis 18, she laughed. She thought to herself, after my body is worn out, and my master is so old, will I now have this pleasure? God says, yes. You see, where there was nothing but Sarah's barren womb, the God of hope brought new life. In Luke chapter 1, We read about how in the sixth month, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel said to her, you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you're going to name this son Jesus. Mary asked the angel, how is this to happen since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born in you will be called the Son of God. You see, where there was nothing but Mary's virgin womb, the God of hope brought new life. In Luke 24, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. And there they found the stone rolled away. But when they entered, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. So while they were wondering about this, two men in clothes who uh, gleamed like, like, like sparkling white, they stood beside them and said, why do you look for the living among the dead? Jesus is not here. He is risen. You see, where there was nothing but Jesus' burial tomb, the God of hope brought new life. Time and time again, all throughout Scripture, Sarah's barren womb 
Mary's virgin womb, Jesus' burial tomb, God reveals himself to us as the God who gives life to the dead and who creates new things out of nothing. You see, with God, there's always an abundance of hope. And second, we see this most clearly when there's an absence of hope. Let me read again Romans 4, 18 and 19. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. We see the abundance of hope most clearly when there's an absence of hope. Paul purposely repeats a word here in verse 19, and it's the word dead. Since Abraham was 100 years old, his body was as good as dead. He had one foot in the grave. And then in referring to Sarah's womb, the word that Paul chooses there at the end of verse 19 is not the common word for barren. It's the literal word for dead. He chooses the word dead, and he did this on purpose to emphasize the dire circumstances, to emphasize the absence of hope. Abraham was as good as dead. Sarah's womb was dead. There is absolutely no hope for them to have a child. Abraham looked at his body and at his wife and at their circumstances, and it was hopeless. There's an absence of hope. Have you ever been in a hopeless situation where there's an absence of hope? Have you ever felt hopeless? You look around at your circumstances and you just, there's no reasons to hope anymore. Seems like all hope is gone. If you've been there or you're currently there, then listen to this testimony of Abraham and Sarah here in verse 18. Paul tells us, against all hope, Abraham is in hope, believe. You see, when all hope was gone, when there was an absence of hope, they most clearly saw that with God, there's always an abundance of hope. You see, Paul's referring to two kinds of hope here in this verse. The first kind of hope is based upon our human circumstances. From a human perspective, Abraham is as good as dead and Sarah's womb is dead. 
There's, there's nothing in their circumstances for them to base their hope upon. But the second kind of hope is based upon God's character. God has been revealed to us in Scripture as the God who gives life to the dead and who creates new things out of nothing. With God, there's always an abundance of hope. And we see this aspect of God's character most clearly when there's a, an absence of hope in our circumstances. Against all hope, in hope, Abraham believed. And lastly, I want to conclude with this truth this morning. In Christ... There's an assurance of hope. There's an assurance of hope. What is hope? How would you define it? Do you realize that when we use the word hope, typically, uh, we, we use it in a way that expresses uncertainty instead of certainty? I might say, I sure hope it doesn't rain today. And in saying that, it expresses my desire, but it doesn't express my certainty. But you see, biblical hope is not just having a desire for something good in the future. It's not just wishful thinking, but it's a confident expectation. And it not only expects it to happen but it's confident that it will happen. And listen, as far as I'm concerned, we cannot make it through this life without that kind of hope, without that kind of confident hope. I think this is the best definition of hope in all the Bible. You want to know what hope is? Listen as I read to you in Romans chapter 4, verses 20 and 21. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Here it is in verse 21. Being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. Hope is to be fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he has promised. Love that definition. To be fully persuaded. You see, hope Hope's not just the absence of thinking. Hope's not a blind leap out into the dark. Hope is refusing to be persuaded by our feelings. It's refusing to be persuaded by our circumstances. And instead, it's to be fully convinced 
that the God who gives life to the dead and creates new things out of nothing has the power to do all he has promised. So no matter how difficult your situation, no matter how dire your circumstances, I want you to hear this. God will give life to the dead and will create new things out of nothing. You can count on it. In Christ, we can have assurance of hope. Verse 22 through 25, this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Do you hear what Paul says in these verses? Do you hear the good news? God raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. That's what he does. That's what we've learned this morning. That's who he is. That's, that's, you you go back to Genesis and we learn that's who God is. He brings life where there's death. He creates new things out of nothing. That's our God. And to hear the the good news here, God raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. And he will also do that for anyone who believes in him. Paul says that promise is also for you. Now, you may look at your life and think, there's no way God would do that for me. I've messed up too many times. I've screwed it up this time way too much. This time, I've done things so badly that I'm so ashamed. And if I'm so ashamed, surely God's ashamed. Listen. It's when all hope is gone. It's it's when there's an absence of hope. That's when you can most clearly see that with God, there's always an abundance of hope. When there was nothing but a barren womb, God brought new life. When there was nothing but a virgin womb, God brought new life. When there was nothing but a burial tomb, God brought new life. And when there's nothing but your sinful doom, God will bring new life. Jesus Christ was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. 
The invitation this morning is for you to put your hope fully in Christ. Put your hope fully in Christ. Repent. Specifically this morning, repent from putting your hope in your own strength. Repent from putting your hope in your own righteousness. Repent from putting your hope in in others or in your circumstances. And instead, put your hope in Christ. This morning, if you've you've never publicly been baptized, what a great morning this morning to come and, and, and put Christ on in baptism because what that act symbolizes is you putting your hope in Christ. you saying, I don't want to put my hope in my actions, my righteousness, or put my hope here or there. I want to put my hope in Christ. This morning, uh, you can do that. You can put your hope fully in Christ by being baptized into him this morning. We invite you to come and do that. We invite you to come and say to all those who are here that Jesus Christ is the hope of all the earth. We're going to sing a song of invitation. Let's stand and sing.